0: Hi! Hi. Welcome to Big Girl Pants Podcast, where we're here to talk about women, health, power, and wealth. Hosted by April Melton and Kimberly Shapiro, we are real women with real jobs doing real life. We as women know what it feels like to try to be super mom, super fit, wrinkle-free,
1: all the while climbing the corporate ladder. Sound sound familiar? familiar?
0: Then this show is for you. So stay tuned. Okay.
1: Hi. Hey. How are you? We're back. We're back. I'm good. How are you? I'm great. We have a guest today. How are you?
2: Hello,
1: hello. (laughs) We have Guy Golan with us. Yes. Did I say that right? Guy Golan, PhD.
0: He gets those letters after his name. I'm
1: so impressed by that. Just found out that he was a professor at my husband's college, which is USF. I was? Yeah. What's USF? Is that what you said? Yeah, University yeah, yeah.
2: Of South Florida. I was yeah. I was in a professor at many schools. But oh, that was okay, but most thing. recently. Most recently, yeah. Okay. okay.
1: And what were you teaching?
2: Um, advertising.
1: Advertising. <laughs> cool. Okay. Sweet. And now you're here in Dallas. Yeah,
2: I am in Plano.
1: On Big Girl Pants podcast. I'm
2: very excited. For Francis. Yes.
1: So how long have you been here? One year. One year. What do you think about the Big D so far?
2: It is absolutely amazing. Really? Yeah. yeah. What do you love about okay. it? Coming love from it. the
1: beach and all that kind of stuff. You don't have any of that now. Yeah. Well,
2: I'll give you a little background. Okay. First of all, I lived in New York City for a long time. Okay. okay. And I lived, I lived all over. I lived in Louisiana. I lived in Missouri, California, upstate New York, all around. Okay. Florida for many years, Miami, Tampa, But this place is great because in Dallas and Fort Worth, which I love also, (laughs) you get the big cities Mm -hmm. with a real nice small town feel.
1: Yeah, that is true because Plano has like 475,000 people in it, but you just don't feel that way. Like I don't think so. No, I I agree. I mean, it's pretty big,
0: but yet at the same time, it just doesn't feel that way. We also have Southern uh, hospitality, so we're like, you know, Nice people. Nice to each other. I mean, we're kind of nice people, yeah. Yeah.
1: There's a little bit of plastic stuff going on, too, but... For sure. And also, nice (laughs) to your face and
0: not nice behind your back, but, you know, whatever. We don't have to go there.
1: That's funny. Yeah. So, if you had to pick, like, your very favorite place that you've ever lived, um, in the United States, and then you can pick one outside of the United States.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, it's like picking fruit. (laughs) Is it
0: now? You're like, I like all the fruit.
2: I, I like many fruit. And oh, okay. I like many cities. So, I mean, New York City, obviously, everybody has to live there. Yeah. Oh, at my least gosh. Once in their life, it's right?
1: electric. I would love to live there.
2: It's amazing. You know, if you can't live there, visit.
0: Visit. Yeah, for sure. New York City. Yeah.
2: Love but, it. yeah, I mean, Louisiana's got lots. We're in Louisiana. So, my first gig many years ago, I was a professor at LSU in okay. Baton Rouge. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So um, when I was in Louisiana, I got to explore. I mean, most people know New Orleans, right? Yeah. yeah. And they really don't really know New Orleans. So they know the French Quarter. Yeah, but right. So people go, they eat to Banier's at Café du Monde. They, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they drink on mm-hmm. um, Take a
1: swap tour, bourbon street and then they're yeah. out. <laughs> they do a bourbon street and they're done, right? Yeah.
2: And here's the amazing thing. The real Louisiana. Which is where I'm from, Shreveport. Well, there we go. Yeah. Well, it really starts when you go west of Baton Rouge. And into Arcadiana, Mm -hmm. where you go to these amazing um, Cajun towns, Creole towns. Oh, for sure. And that's where the real culture, the real heritage, the real food, and the real good times really take place.
1: I would agree with that. So, yeah, I was born in Shreveport. I go frequently. My whole family is still there, or extended family. And so we're there all the time, but I grew up on red beans and rice. And tomorrow we're watching the game. My mom's making etouffee, so... We, that, yeah, that that's the heritage. You. That's yeah. all you, buddy. It's my heritage.
0: So, um, so you and I connected on LinkedIn, and I, I reached out to you because your program or what it is that you're coaching, teaching, educating is married to busy. Mm. Yes, so I want we to hear. Know yeah, nothing about that. <laughs> yes, because we're the busy people. Yeah. So they're married to us. Everybody, but I'm not married. These days. Shapiro's married. I'm single. Not even. Don't even have a boyfriend. Any of that. So, so
1: tell me how you segued from being a college professor to saying, you know what, I I need to be a life coach. I think I could be more effective, and this is what I want to do. Yeah. How'd you change to that?
2: Good question. Uh, I do both. Okay. So I still continue to conduct academic research, okay publish, and uh, it's something I love and care about. When you're a professor, you want to mentor your students.
0: Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm.
2: And you prepare your lectures and you want to give the heart and soul and you just wait for them to come into your office hours and nobody shows up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well you're also intimidate not you but professors yeah. to uh-huh. a new student is intimidating. Maybe,
2: right? Yeah. But I mean we come there and we have our lectures and we're all passionate about it. But then, the students don't really care. So it's almost like being a barbecue chef and serving food to a bunch of vegetarians. Right. You feel like it, right? Yeah. So um, that could be a little frustrating. In my case, I love academia, was doing it. I was a tenured professor
0: mm-hmm.
2: at Syracuse University,
0: Yeah.
2: upstate New York, great school, the best job I ever had. Well, one of the best jobs I ever had. <laughs>
1: uh-huh. The best
2: job I ever had was when I was 20, I worked at a bar. In Tel Aviv, Israel, and I got to pick up the bottles from the dance floor, <laughs> and it was just a great... But, you know, those are different times. you like, um, that's
0: my best job.
2: <laughs> but here's the story. Uh, I'm married to a physician, and my wife lost her job after she had her first baby.
1: Mm. She
2: was in a practice of 30 men. Mm-hmm. Wow. She was the only woman, and... After she came back from maternity leave, her two-year contract was over, and they're like, okay, thank you very much. We'll see you later.
1: Wow. wow. And there's no like recourse there because the contract is up. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, wow. yeah, nothing to do. And, you know, you can't, when you're a medical doctor, you can't say, you know, I'm going to take a year off, yeah. you know, or I'll, you know, I'll look around. So we just need to take a job. Right. But we're in a small town in upstate New York. There are three or four hospitals. That's it. Not yeah. too many private practices over there. Yeah. And then came a job offer from Florida. And my wife makes three times what I make, twice and a half. So what do you do? Yeah, you move. You move? Yeah. Well, wait a second. I'm a tenured professor. It's not like I can just take my
1: tenure and bring
2: it anywhere I want. That's right. right. So it was a really challenging time. And I said to myself, you know, guy, you need to have another career on the side of this professor gig. Sure. And, you know, life coaching, personal development was always something I was... Deeply involved in, yeah, and passionate about, and you know, my my motivation is to help people live better lives. Whether right. it's as a, as a professor or as a coach, and that's where the decision took place. I, you know, we moved down to Florida and started my coaching career three years ago.
1: Okay, very good. Well, congrats! That's a really that's a yeah, great story. Thank you. thank you. So, married to busy is kind of the the focus. Sounds like yeah. Or is so, that do you speak on that topic? I would so imagine. So, Mar-
2: married to busy is a word game. Maybe it's not a very good one because not everybody gets it. But it's the people who are married to their jobs. So they're married to being busy. Yeah. And those who are married to them. So here's a story. In the United States and Western society as a whole, although this is happening more and more in Asian culture as well, we are taught a simple simple formula to be happy.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: How can you be happy? Go to work and make money. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right? (laughs)
0: Right. So if you want to be happy,
2: go out. And buy stuff, be rich, be wealthy, be successful at your job. Yeah. So it's not like be successful in your career as a teacher. Right. Or as a school counselor or something that's social worker. Right. right? Society does not reward those super important jobs. No. And by the way, society does not reward being a professor either. It's not like, you know, I'm I'm a professor and people are lining up to, you know, meet me. But society does reward big money. Yes. Right? So, easy formula go out there, sacrifice everything else to reach success, and you'll be happy. Right. Mm. And here comes the irony of the United States. Yeah. We are the richest country on earth where everybody has pretty much anything they need
0: at their disposal. Well, definitely everything they need and a lot of what they want. Yes. <laughs> but exactly. we're also the most, the highly prescribed antidepressants. So yeah. are we really right. as happy?
2: There you go. Right. That, that is the true irony of it all. Yeah. Right. So this is a formula that sets society up for success. And, you know, people who go, you know, New York City, Miami, Dallas, everywhere. We have fancy neighborhoods
1: mm-hmm.
2: where anybody is driving by. They're like, oh my God, look at these people yeah they have the perfect life, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. But when you really get to know these people, yeah and, and i i I travel in these circles, right. A lot of my clients come from these circles. There are a lot of very, very lonely
1: mm-hmm. yeah,
2: very depressed, very depressed people who feel like their lives are just not you know they they did everything right, right. right. They married the Why right... Why am I not happy? Exactly. They married the right person. They made the money. They, they Quote, said unquote,
0: they, married the right <laughs> person. Exactly. Quote, unquote, make all the money. Right, Keep right. Keep
2: on bringing the quotes. You're right.
0: right. Yeah. It's not
2: working.
1: Right. So years ago, I was an accountant for an upscale jeweler in Highland Park. Highland Park, I don't know if you're familiar with that yeah. yet. Okay. Um, it's very upscale for those that are listening and not from the area. It's a very upscale... Um, bougie uh, part of town. Yeah, bougie part for of sure. town. There you go. Everybody lives in a million plus dollar home type place. So I worked in this. It's a destination jeweler, jeweler. you don't just walk in. You got to ring the doorbell, have an appointment. And this is like hundred thousand price point and above type jewelry, right? So our clientele, as you can imagine, sure. was local celebrities, you know, sports people, um, that kind of thing. I, in the six years that I worked there, I had never been exposed to more suicide. More just very depressing stories, um, and it was just prevalent. I, I promise you at least four times a year one of the clients or or, or a family member of the clients had committed suicide. Ugh. It was just ridiculous, yeah. and I'd never been exposed to it. I did not grow up wealthy, um, and that's just not never been my circle, so that was my first exposure to all of that, and it was blown away because on the outside looking in, everybody would think perfect life. Mm-hmm. Not perfect,
0: yeah, but that's the American dream, right? Yeah, well, make so a bunch they, of money, so get a big house, us. drive a Lexus, drive a Mercedes, yeah. have a Rolex, blah blah blah. Then you'll be happy. Which is funny because one of my um, like colleagues, I recently met him, um, or I met him a couple months ago. Tried to like sell him staffing. That's what I do. Um, and we were just kind, of, we just hit it off at lunch, and we were just kind of friends, and we kept talking. He recently got divorced, and um, his wife. So he had two houses in Frisco. One of them is in, like, basically what's the new Starwood, which is Mm -hmm. essentially, like, you know, like, Dallas Cowboys, they're all building their houses there or whatever. And he's got one there, and then he has another one, and he gave his wife the other house in the divorce, um, which he's, like, he built a company, a $50 million company, so he's, you know, doing pretty well. And then, so he gave her this house. Well, they lived in this house together, and she literally took everything out of the house while he was gone on a business trip I mean everything light fixtures everything so I go to his house and it's like the weirdest energy vibe whatever right but I'm like <laughs> this is so funny so I pull up to the door or to the the you know gated security because they're the only community in Frisco that has 24-hour gated commu- um security Big freaking deal, right? So I'm driving through this neighborhood, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, first of all, my car is, like, nothing fancy, so they thought I was, like, an Uber Eats driver. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, are you here to deliver food? I'm like, no. I'm here to see my friend. Thank you. So I pull in. And I'm like driving through the neighborhood, you know, and you see like these amazing houses. They're probably like anywhere from 1.2 to like six to seven million dollar houses, six car garage, you know, ridiculous. And I'm just driving through and then I get to his house and it's like the prettiest freaking house I've ever seen. And then I walk in and it you could feel it. Like you could feel that someone had like the unhappy vibes, that his, the energy of the house. Like someone had just removed everything That's from bad, it. That's bad juju. And then like all of that stuff that came from their like divorce and their separation and all that. And even like his demeanor was just not necessarily sad, just like exhausted that type of feeling, you know? And yeah. and again, you know, if you were a stranger driving by in this neighborhood, you'd be like, God, what a beautiful home. I bet they're so happy. Yeah, you know? exactly. And yeah. not the case. no.
2: Yeah. I gotta tell the listeners, you guys are listening to the two these two wonderful ladies. This should be a Facebook Live or a video because you, your I expressions know. are so awesome. I know. <laughs> you guys have the best expressions. <laughs> we have
0: to get on YouTube. We've been talking about it for 60 episodes. That camera, thank you that for ca- that. That thank camera you. right there. That camera we bought last
1: December to do that, and it still sits there. So anybody out there, help Help SOS. We
0: don't know how to do it. <laughs> no, we have someone who needs to come over and show us how to do it. But, but thank anyway, you. thank you. <laughs> thank you, guy. We really appreciate that. But yeah, I mean, it makes, it makes me sad because it really makes you reevaluate everything that you think about when it comes to what makes you happy and then that inadvertently goes to how i'm raising my child right because i don't want her to grow up idolizing money or status or things things as happiness because it's really more about her emotional health people that invest in her emotional health and how she perceives you know what she's passionate about or whatever and i want to relay that message not that that wasn't the message that was relayed to me but i want that to be the focus which is such a challenge man And there's like a, there's like a commercial on right now that like where these two moms, they like talk to each other or whatever. And like one of them, it may not be a commercial, maybe from something else. I don't know. But, um, I think it was like a therapy perspective. I'm Mm -hmm. not sure. But, um, one of the moms was like, oh yeah, my son got into this prestigious college. He's playing baseball. He's doing all this, whatever. Right. And the other one's like, oh yeah, well my son's working at a record store and he's really happy. And she's like, oh, well things will look up for you. And she's like, yeah, no, my, no, like my kid's really happy. Like we're good. Like, I'm proud of him. Like, we're good. And then she, the mom whose son got the full ride, she gets in the car with him and he's like, God, mom, like, you're late. Like, blah, blah, blah whatever. Like, basically she painted this beautiful picture and that's not what the case was at all. And then the other mom whose son works at the record store brought her flowers and came over and said, you know, let's go to breakfast or whatever. They had like a much better relationship than the other mom who portrayed all this success. Yeah. Right. You know,
1: and I feel like poor guy over there, he's like, do, do, do I get to talk? But (laughs) (laughs) one thing to add, and then we want to hear from you, obviously. Um, but my daughter dropped out of college a couple of years ago and she is, she struggled. Um, she has Asperger's and ADHD and, um, some other challenges that she had to work through growing up, but, uh, came back from college two years ago and she worked for a daycare. She loves her job. She loves it. She is financially, um, taking care of herself. She pays her rent. She pays all her own bills. Um, you know, we help with things if the car breaks down, but other than that, she pays for her life. She's self sustainable, which is frankly what I wanted for my kids. Yeah, And so she's very happy. She loves her life and she loves her place, like where she is. But people say to me all the time when I, what, you know, what, what's she doing? And I tell them, they're like, well, what, what would she want to do? And I'm like, She's doing what she wants to do. She loves working with these kids. She loves pouring into their lives. She wanted to be a teacher. She's a, she's teaching kids, so she loves it. So it's just interesting how mm-hmm. people cannot wrap the their minds around happy outside of money, big house, fancy car. You know, if you don't have all that, you must not be happy. Yeah. Now it's your turn. Mm-hmm. We're going to be quiet now. Now you get to go. <laughs> We're going to be quiet. Who has the tape? <laughs> Shut up. He's like, I don't even know what to do now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's like, what? Wait, I'm here? What's happening? Mm -hmm. We want to hear from you now. Yes.
2: Well, okay. Um, So I'll tell you what I do. I work with um, spouses of super high achievers.
1: Oh, okay.
2: And, you know, the so-called supporting spouses. I have a book coming out in about three, four months. It's going to be called, I think, Married to Success.
1: Oh, okay. Okay, so I did miss it. I did miss. I was thinking married to busy meant you're married to being busy, but this is married to people who are super busy. Yeah. yeah. It's a double, it's a double game. Yeah.
2: Okay, so okay, you're married okay. to busy or you're married Play to Play on words. words okay, okay. So, yeah. So here's here's the thing. Marriage, whether you're married to somebody who's very busy or somebody who's completely not busy. Right. Is challenging. For sure. sure. For sure. Anybody ever been married here? Yeah, 20 years. Both of us. Here we go. It's Hers
0: worked, mine didn't. Here you go. Well,
2: <laughs> when you say it works or it doesn't work, right. marriage doesn't really work that way, right? I for mean, sure. Marriage is a continuous challenge. Yeah, for it's sure. It's not a natural place to be. Right? right. I mean, marriage in the classic sense, you got married at 15, you had babies, you died at 35.
0: Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, now true. that we live
2: to be 80, 90, it's, uh, the, the, no, it doesn't work as much. It's like
1: three freaking lifetimes with exactly. one person. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah,
2: so... Here's the thing. If you look at marriage statistics in the United States, in Western society, depending on the city, of course, and how you play around with the um, demographics and numbers, but we're looking at about 25 to 35% divorce rate. Mm -hmm. And people are like, okay, then the other 60 are what? It's not like the other 60 it works or doesn't. Sublimely
0: happy. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you one
2: thing. I can tell you for sure that out of the 60 people who. out of the 100 who stayed together, about 40% about forty out of those 60, I would say the majority, oftentimes during different periods of the marriage, because marriage is always different. It
1: does have some ebb and flow.
2: They, If you ask those people, if you didn't have kids, would you still be here?
0: Mm-hmm. Nah, the
2: nah, an- bruh. The, the answer oftentimes at different periods of their relationship is no, I would not.
0: Yeah, wow.
2: So, do you guys like... Um, fun like would you go on a roller coaster
0: yeah like roller for sure. sure okay yeah
2: how about skydiving anybody totally to try? Okay. i
1: would you'd have to push me out of the plane but no. i'd be so happy you did it but what <laughs> if i
2: told you there's a 60 or 70 percent chance that the parachute will not open
1: no, i'm not going nope right
2: <laughs> right so here's here's a story that people who are listening need to pay attention to everybody listen whether you're single newly single or single again mm-hmm. or married here's the thing the most important decision a person makes in their lives, by far, is who they're going to marry. Yes. By far. It
0: impacts everything.
2: Right? It impacts your financial future. Yep. Your mental health. Yes. Your physical health. hmm And who your children are going to be. Mm-hmm. And what kind of people they're going to grow up to be. And yet, when it comes to choosing a husband and wife...
0: We're so willy-nilly about it.
2: Well, people get married for two main reasons. The first is ridiculous.
0: Which is love. love. Oh.
2: Ridiculous. <laughs> Agree.
1: That Agree. is not,
2: that has oh no. Oh my God,
1: but I love it, him. Yeah, but it doesn't, it's not sustainable.
2: Right, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the romantic love we see in the movie. Right, right,
1: right. The, the, that kind of love.
2: That expectation. Right. Like, you know, the Sleeping Beauty
1: mm-hmm. model,
2: right? It doesn't work. No. That's one. The second one is just as irresponsible as the first, which Money. is no, not necessarily. How about this one? I'm 25, I'm 30. I need to get married. Ah, uh,
0: yeah. This I'll
2: guy's here. Check
0: the next box. Yeah. yeah. This guy's here, right? Yeah, I'll marry yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That makes so sense.
2: Those are the two big ones. There are other sure. exceptions, right? But yeah. I mean, most people enter this thing called marriage with a very low sense of who they are.
1: Mm, that's the biggest
0: issue. And
2: very low sense of why they're attracted to certain psychological archetypes. Mm. That's and big. So here's the thing. The the sense of attraction we initially feel when we meet the one is a very, very dangerous attraction because typically it's an attraction to one of our parents who scarred us emotionally as a child. If you want to learn more about this, please read Getting the Love You Want by Herl Hendricks. It's a wonderful book. I recommend it to all of my clients. I'm like writing this down. Right. Okay. Bye. Breaking one. all the Amazon. stereotypes. Amazon. All right. Great. So... This is what I do. I work with people. I have many types of clients in my coaching practice, but I specialize in people who are married to busy. Either they're the high performer or married to one of those, Mm -hmm. the so-called supporting spouse. And now they're in that situation where the marriage is kind of on the rocks. Yeah. And what do you do?
0: So you're
1: working with the person, not the couple, though?
2: I typically work with either one of the two, or I do something really unique that most people coaches don't do. I do marriage interventions where I work with both people at the same time, but different sessions. So okay. I'll work with you and your husband six weeks in a row, ten weeks in a row with separate sessions. So I'll work with the wife on Monday and the husband on Wednesday.
0: So it's not like couples counseling where it's together.
2: Exactly. Okay.
0: Right. Why? And, well, he's not a counselor for one, well, right? Well,
2: no. Here's the beauty. Well,
0: he could be a coach. True.
2: Here's yeah. the beauty of it. Many problems... Occur due to two main reasons. One is lack of self awareness. And mm-hmm. this is, if there is one thing in common to all coaching clients that I've come across, and most people that I've come across, mm-hmm. is that most people have no idea why things are happening in their lives are happening. Yeah,
1: that's yeah. True, I would agree with that.
2: So the low self awareness does not provide us with the ability to understand how the focus of our thoughts how our rituals, how our decision-making leads to real-life consequences.
0: Mm -hmm. It's so much
2: easier to say, well, it's somebody else's fault.
0: Yeah. God, Yeah.
2: So in coaching, this is what I do. I help people take the blinds off. Remember the matrix, the blue pill or the red Mm -hmm. pill, right? Yeah, right. So most people prefer to stay in the matrix. It's comfortable. Totally. But coaching requires deep work. The
0: matrix, i.e. denial. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, right? And not the river.
2: (laughs) Yeah, So um, what we do in coaching is we help people understand the relationship between the focus of their thoughts, their rituals, and their behaviors, and their outcomes, Mm -hmm. and understanding why those things can lead to very negative patterns in our lives.
0: So recently, I uh, was listening to something. Oh, Jordan Peterson. Do you know who that is? Okay, so I was listening to a video that he had, which was basically a lecture that he was giving to his college students probably like 10, 15 years ago about communications and relationships and how like and I'm sure that this is something that you can speak to, obviously, because of the work that you do. But he was talking about how, you know, like when you're in an argument or when you're in a relationship and you're, you know, communicating with your partner, you're not responding to the exact situation or like the lack of communication. You know what I mean? Like you, let's say, you know, I'm whatever in a relationship with someone and I'm fighting with someone. You're not going to say like, um, the situation was like making dinner, you know, it's as opposed to the wife saying, I don't like making dinner. She just burns dinner multiple times. And then she's like, oh, I don't know, you know, like whatever. I'm just being passive aggressive about it. Like I'm just going to burn dinner as opposed to saying like, hey, I don't really like making dinner, but like I love doing dishes. So can you make dinner and I'll do the dishes? You know what I mean? Like, And as humans, as people, like you said, the lack of self-awareness, like we don't feel comfortable enough to say what we're really feeling or how to address our true emotions or how we're really feeling about the situation. So we just avoid it or, you know, we... Do things that skirt around it versus like addressing the the real problem, the root well, cause. and we blame. I think people they just don't
1: own yeah. their situation or the consequences of their choices and actions. It's somebody else's fault always. That I I can't tell you how many people um, in my own family that I watch this and I'm like. Right. But you know <laughs> But like how did you get there? But we actually have to own like you know, I was a, a young mom. I had my first daughter at seventeen and my second at twenty. I was married at nineteen, divorced at twenty one. I mean a whole slew of bad choices. Right. And not once have I ever blamed my parents or blamed anyone. No, 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 no. I know exactly how I got there. I'm well aware. I'm aware. I made those choices. Well aware, but I think the fact that I was able to like look myself in the mirror and say, listen, Shapiro, Wasn't a Shapiro then, but (laughs) listen, girl, um, this is what happened. You got to change your ways, and you got to. This is what you got to do to like move on. But I think a lot of people are incapable of that. They don't want to look in the mirror. They don't want to see the person staring back at them who's responsible for putting them in a predicament. They want to blame somebody else. Yeah.
2: Put your big girl pants on. Exactly. And own your (laughs) shit.
1: Own Own yourself. Yes. So
2: so you guys both touch on wonderful points. We're talking about two different things yeah one is self-awareness which is a form of communication with ourselves right and the other one is communication with the other so this is what i do in the marriage interventions when i work with the two partners separately yeah i help them first communicate with themselves identify their patterns yeah and then i help them communicate with one another yeah and oftentimes i'm the one who delivers The communication for them.
0: Oh, so you're a neutral party, so you're not directly involved, so that person doesn't have like some kind of resentment or anger or frustration.
2: Well, they can hear it. They can hear. Yeah, they can take the words without the context of everything else in the history. Yes. So it's powerful stuff. And I, I personally think, and of course I'm going to say this, but I personally think that my marriage interventions are more effective than traditional couples therapy. Yep. Because because of the separation. In the process,
0: yes. Well, and I, I mean, I, I as someone who's gone through marriage counseling before, I can personally attest to the fact that I felt like when I was communicating or in the sessions, because I don't. We got divorced in uh, our divorce wasn't final until twenty seventeen, but we split up in December of twenty fifteen. Well, all of twenty fifteen, we were in marriage counseling, so a whole year. And even in the sessions, yeah, I felt like I was. I, there were multiple times where I got so upset I started yelling because I felt like I wasn't heard. And I felt like my partner wasn't listening, digesting, understanding. So I was just like getting so frustrated. Obviously, I was a little bit younger. That was almost five years ago. But um, it was just so like frustrating the whole time. And then I feel like that, like you know, the the therapist is like turning on me, and then my partner's turning on me. So I just feel like you know attacked. And What's the point?
2: And it's hard to communicate when you're when you know that whatever you say. You look at the reaction mm. of your partner in the same yes. room. So yes. true. So this is and by the way, my process is six weeks. Yeah. Six sessions for each person. Yeah. And if I can deliver magic by then, I'm out.
0: Yeah, you're not the right one. Do you know going into it whether a couple's gonna work out or not?
2: Yes. That's interesting. But here's my because of how but have receptive... they ever changed
0: your opinion?
2: Well, here or the outcome? Here's my theory. And I think that nobody can beat this theory. Okay. I'm going to nerd out. I like the confidence. Can I? Well, yeah. Yeah, I'm a a coach. I got to be confident. (laughs) Let me see a question. May I speak about international relations for 10 seconds? Of course, whatever you want. Anything. Did you know that in international relations, there's a theory that predicts that two democracies will never go to war with one another? Right? So we don't have any examples of true democracies going to war in modern history. Right. Okay. Same works for a marriage. Okay. When you have two people, who are highly aware, yes, things will work out.
0: Mm. So, when you build that self awareness, yes. you're saying that they have a higher probability of working
2: out, absolutely, hmm. for a simple reason. Yeah, people who are highly aware of themselves are much better at communicating their needs, yeah, balancing their needs. So I'll give you an example. If uh, I'm gonna plug something, it's really yeah. a useful tool. I developed a 10 step um, roadmap yeah. to getting your needs met in a marriage. Okay. Because, I mean, if there's... Can
0: you tell us what those 10 steps are? Well, sure. Okay.
2: Well, first of all, let me tell people, because people are like, give me the website. Right. I want to go and get the free PDF right now. So yeah, me too. So MarriedToBusy.com. You, okay. go to, you go to MarriedToBusy.com Perfect. and you can download the PDF. 10 steps to getting your needs met in a marriage. So here's the thing. Marriage and the challenge of marriage comes from two main things. One... Well, several. But one of them has to do with identity, mm-hmm. and the other one has to do with needs. Let's talk about needs first. Right. Yeah. So, Sleeping Beauty, all the Disney princesses. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's a delivery. There's a, there's a promise. Yes. yes. If you need your needs met, get married. Right. Or find love. Sure. Find yes. the one. Right. Yes. The one will know what I the need. The one who yeah. comes to
0: make out with you right? when you're sleeping. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Not, yeah. Creepy. Yeah. At Not creepy, creepy at all. Not creepy at all.
2: So... Um, what is more unrealistic of an expectation than to think that one other human being will be responsible for taking care of all of your needs? Mm-hmm. Think about
0: and without you expressing them.
2: Thank you very much. Exactly. Right? Think about this, the psychological parallel of who who takes care of all of your needs. There's only one person in your life who will take care of all of your needs. You. Me? Yourself, Your mom, when you're in the womb.
0: Oh, oh. nurture.
1: You can see how we operate though. We're like, what, us?
0: I'll take care of myself. <laughs> I'm like, I take care of all <laughs> of my needs. I literally take care of all of my needs right there now. You go. I say thank you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when you're a baby and you're in the womb, mm-hmm. all of your needs are met. Right. So, in a way, that's expectation in relationships. Sure. Right. Okay. It's, it's uh, the pleasure principle of Freud. So, but it's totally unrealistic because, totally. It's, first of all, it's not the partner's job.
0: Mm. No. And don't you feel like as a as a person when you're as you're teaching people to be more self aware that they should really be filling their own buckets and yes. making themselves happy, and then they get to come to the relationship as a whole person to be in partnership with another whole person, right. so they can be two whole people together, well, as opposed to the dependency and that vicious cycle or whatever. Like you're supposed to make me happy. I mean, you're supposed to know what's wrong with me and all this <laughs> other stuff. Like, and we've said this so many times on this
1: podcast, where if you are waiting for somebody else to fill you up make you happy do something you know within you yeah I'm sorry you're well, look, that, you need to look in the mirror because yes. until you learn
0: how to make yourself happy yes you're never going to be happy there's something i posted on my instagram story yesterday that was like you know eventually someone's going to come along and see how perfect you are but before then you have to be perfect for you like, you have to be good for yourself before someone's going to come just along. Just accept yourself and be happy yeah, with who you are. Yeah, and just be good with it. Like, just be good to yourself and with yourself. Yeah. And then eventually someone will come along that will also be good and add to the goodness. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to add good to crap and then expect <laughs> it to be <laughs> uh-huh. a great relationship. Right. Yeah.
2: But both of you have gone through a lot. Yes. Earlier, too. Yes. Sure. So you yeah. both had to do a lot of the deep work.
0: Yes. That's probably true, yeah. A
2: lot of people never got the opportunity mm. to do the deep work. I like
0: how you say that.
2: It's so much easier to the just... The
0: deep work. Well, no, that the, they never got the opportunity to, to yeah. make those. Because uh, that's some it does happen to people where they, like, it doesn't happen until later in life. Let's say, especially people in America, right? Like, they grow up, they have, uh, you know, well-to-do parents or affluent parents. They go to college, everything's great, and they get married, and then, you know, 15 years later, their spouse has an affair. And then they're like... I'm 40 years old and I now have to deal with this adversity. How Uh am I going to deal with this when my life has been so great thus far?
2: Yeah. I mean, look, failure is the best school on earth. Failure Mm -hmm. is something we took out of the school system. Right. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. You're not allowed to fail.
1: Put it back in. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Put it back. Yeah, failure. And, And by the way, the husband who cheats on his wife or the wife who cheats on the husband, yeah, that is not where the problem begins. No. Well, of course, right? no, That's no,
0: not at all, 100%. but then it's like it when they finally get there, you know what I mean, when they finally mm-hmm. get to that to that brink, right? Cuz this is a tools. mountain. Yeah. yeah. Of of uh, of ignoring the issues or skirting around the problem or not really addressing what's really going on and then finally she finds out, oh, you know, he's been cheating on me or whatever. But it started way down it like you had to climb the mountain to get to the brink. Right. Yeah.
2: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So what's another step is that,
1: so Oh,
2: we didn't begin.
1: So, Sorry. Oh. So step, oh. <laughs> st-
2: here, I'll, I'll walk you through. I don't this know, is good stuff. I don't know how much time we have, so I'll walk uh, you through. We have
1: 30 min- uh, 25 minutes. All right. Yeah.
2: I'll, I'll walk you through the basics. Um, step number one is self-awareness. Mm-hmm. What are your needs? Right? I mean, and we have to separate between real needs and the needs that society tells us we need.
0: Mm, right? That's
2: a good one. That is a good one. So, I mean... What do you need? Well, I need some chocolate. That's not a need.
1: I mean, I don't know. Chloe, Chloe
0: would debate need. you on that. One. I would debate you on that. For the past three you, days, not? she's like, "I need chocolate." I'm like, <laughs> "I feel that in my soul." All right, we're sorry. Well, that's carry a, on. <laughs> that's, a, that's an easy one to take care of, right? Yeah, chocolate for sure. Is a good one.
2: Yeah, um, but before, I mean, the the problem is people run to their partner with a complaint list. Mm-hmm. Hey, my needs are not being met.
1: Yes, yeah.
2: you're working ninety hours a week, and let me and let me put myself. Right in the center. I am married to a medical doctor yes. who is busy as hell. And you guys have two kids. We have two babies. Babies. A two-year-old and a five-year-old. That's, yes,
0: yeah. babies. Yeah. yeah.
2: So you guys, you started early. I started late. I'm 47. Uh. Uh, which wow. Is, it's cool to be an old dad. Yeah,
0: but You're you so don't much look like pa- an old dad. You're so much more patient and like things just don't bother you uh, like yeah. they would when you were younger. Well, how
2: about this? You're much more self-aware. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, wouldn't you love my my proposed legislation? which is people are not allowed to get married, men before 35, women before 30? Hell yes. Would you, would you I'm sign that? A hundred,
0: thousand percent. I also think that people who want to be parents should have licenses, but, you know.
2: I'll, I'll double that, yeah. Oh yes. To high five.
1: Can I get but a then high they five? they wouldn't have let hell me, hell
0: me keep, keep yeah. mine. <laughs> <laughs> your kids are awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: All right, so let's go back. So okay. um, before you run to your husband and wife and say, hey, my needs are not met, ask yourself, do, do I know what my needs are? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so... This is step number one in my process, is sit down alone with a piece of paper and a pen. That's something people used to do years ago before the internet <laughs> for, for the or for
0: early, early oh, millennials funny. in the audience.
2: <laughs> uh, sit down and write, what are my top 10 needs right now? Okay. Yeah. I need to go to yoga. I need somebody to talk to. I need somebody who will pay attention to me. I need somebody who will cuddle with me. I need somebody who will have sex with me. I'll need you yeah. know, 20 different things, 10 yeah. different things. Step number one. Step number two is, you know, sleep on it, go back to the list the next day, and ask yourself, what are some emergent themes here? Yeah. So if I need somebody who will tell me I'm pretty, and I need somebody who will cuddle with me, and I need somebody who will hug me, and I need somebody who will pay attention to my wants, yeah. isn't that all a sense of I need somebody who'll love and support me? Yes. Yes. Right? Right. So you know, we have the Mislovian hierarchy of needs, right? right? And obviously, people need food, shelter, security, safety, and right. all that. But moving beyond those, or for people who love Tony Robbins, do you guys like Tony Robbins? Yeah, I love, him. love, love him. Tony yeah. Robbins, right? So Tony has his need for certainty, uncertainty, right. significance, all that. Yeah. So um, identify those patterns if you really need somebody who'll care about as a need, well, that's an absolutely legitimate need to demand from your spouse yeah, or partner, right? right? However, ask yourself, can I get that somewhere else as well? Hmm. Are there other people who can care about me? Mm-hmm. And the answer is yes.
0: Yeah, and there are other people that do care about you, pretty much for everybody. Hopefully. Yeah.
2: Well, actually, I'm not sure. Really? Don't forget, we live in a society where most people live 20 years in the same house, and don't really know anything about their neighbor. You see them, hi, how are you, nice yeah. weather we're having. That's true. That,
0: happen- that I guess that. I'm Maybe the ideal people. optimist. I care about a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. But most people live alone. They go to work, they come home, they have a Miller Lite, they watch football, <laughs> and that's it. Wow. Yeah. That's go, true. Nope, and they that's go true. online.
1: That is so not us, though. Because we just know so many people and and then we
0: care so deeply about so many people. Yeah.
2: Well, here you go. So circles of support. Yeah. See, so that's where really the paradigm shift occurs. Yes. You don't say, hey, my partner will take care of all my needs. You're going to say, there are a lot of different people who can take care of a lot of different needs that I have. Mm -hmm. Now, for everybody who's listening or thinking about it right now, there are some needs that you should not subcontract to other people.
0: Your sexual needs? I.E. Obviously. Yes.
2: Well, here's sex, sex is easy. You know yeah. what? But it's what?
0: more about intimacy. Thank you. It's okay. your intimate needs, right? Yes. So, like, for me, I'm as you're speaking, I'm thinking. So I'm single, right? Mm-hmm. So I have to take the, more of these things into consideration um, when I'm looking for a partner, right? Because I'm, like, prospecting right now. So when I think about those things, like, I really like. And
2: by the way, she's really cute, for <laughs> the man who's listening.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. But I'm prospecting so like I have to really take that into consideration. And like you know when I'm looking for a partner, I'm obviously screening these people and you know identifying where their strengths and weaknesses are and things that I like and don't like. So for me, I really love to have like good morning text and good night text. Like that's something that's important to me. That would be a need. I would put that on it as a need. And then if I'm outsourcing that and let's say I have a partner, I don't really want to be outsourcing that type of intimacy to someone who's not my partner. I want to be able to express that to my partner and say, this is what I need from you or this is what... Or I really like it when you do this versus like, you're not doing this. You know what I mean? Oh, And then again, sex. Sex is easy, but like those intimate conversations, those types of connections, mm-hmm. I don't want to be outsourcing them. I want that to be something that's reserved for my partner. Yep.
2: So I'm going to throw some uh, statistics your way. Uh, oh,
0: yay. Okay. Facts.
2: The average... Couple, right? So when you start dating somebody, especially in your 20s, when your 40s, life is a little different. Your body's a little different. Well, <laughs> for, for men, not for women. Right. But when you're in your 20s, uh, you know, you're pretty active. Yeah. In yeah. the bedroom. Yeah. But once you get married, once a week.
0: Yeah. If you're lucky. M- maybe. Right? I'm putting that in my pre now. <laughs> Three times a week. So it's about... It's Required.
2: A, it's about <laughs> expectation. I know I, I, I work with a lot of people who pretty much stop becoming intimate. Right. Yeah. Almost all together. They, you know, they move from several times a week to once a week to once a month. Right. If. If, and right? then it's and, like once
0: an anniversary.
2: Yeah. And that's a sign. That's a sign. It's a sign because sexuality is the glue mm-hmm. of the marriage. And it's because of the intimacy component, not because of the physical component. Right. Right. And don't think that men don't need intimacy as much as women do. Right. I have, I've actually run across a guy who's, who complained that his wife, she's busy, she's a doctor And after sex, she's like, okay, you know, chore done. I'm out of here. And he's like, wait, I want to cuddle. Right. (laughs) And he's like, is there something wrong with me? Am I the woman? Well, and (laughs) because like
0: sex is so intimate and it really is like, so um, I recently made the decision to not have sex with anybody until we become monogamous just because it's so intimate and it's such a next level experience that I don't want to share that with someone unless I have those really intense feelings. but. It's so it's so much more than the physical. It's so much more about the fact that you, when you're sharing this with someone, you're literally giving them yourself, all of you, yourself, and so it's like, like reaching a peak that no one else can reach, and especially in that moment, and you don't want to give that to anybody else. You want to give it to your partner, but not yeah. everybody views it as the same. Good yeah.
2: advice for all girls in high school, or early college. People yeah. don't learn that until. Late in life. I'm 32. There we go. go. Well, let's go back to the system. So uh, you say, okay, here are my top 10 needs. Mm -hmm. Here are some themes, right? So I have a need for companionship. Mm -hmm. I have a need for somebody to care about me. I have a need for excitement. I have a need for this, this, and this. And then you ask, okay, where can I subcontract those needs? For some people who have strong social circles, networks, it's easier. Yes. Mm -hmm. But for a lot of people, especially in my world, people who move around for for jobs, for their husband and wife's jobs. Yeah. Like, take me. I moved around eight different cities in the last 12 years.
0: Yeah. I moved nine times in five years.
2: There you go. So I feel you. So in the United States, a lot of us move around, and that's why many of us do not have strong networks of support. Yeah. So what do you do then? Two options. The first one is... Believe it or not, don't laugh at me, Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm not saying just general Facebook. No, but there's at, so
0: many segmented groups. Exactly. So right.
2: Facebook groups, there are Facebook groups for people who have cancer. Yeah. Facebook group for people going through a divorce. Facebook yeah. group for people who like golfing. I mean, yeah. there's so many. Fa- and there there are Facebook groups for people who are married to doctors.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Right? I'm actually going to Las Vegas in two weeks. Ready for this? You're going to love this one. <laughs> I'm going to, for the dad's married to doctors annual retreat.
0: Oh I love it. That's I great. Love it.
2: It's an organization. The DMD is four thousand strong of men who are married to female doctors. All right. Female physicians. Okay. And we're gonna go hang out. And you have to understand these men are all married to super busy women. Yeah. And many of them are raising the children. Mm-hmm. So Interesting. a traditional reversal.
0: Yes. Right. Yeah. Right
2: of So to have wealth.
0: people that relate to your situation is so nice.
2: Great. So it's, you can take those online communities. They go offline. That's why I mentioned the DMDs, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a great example. There's so many great Facebook groups. The other one is, and I always encourage people to do this, instead of focusing on your own trouble,
0: mm-hmm.
2: take the resources that you have and go and help other people.
1: Yes. But a lot of, if you find those groups on Facebook, it'll meet both of those. So here's a scenario. I recently went through some health issues and, um, found out I had like endometriosis, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but it was a big deal to me at the time. Yeah. And very and painful, very <laughs> painful. And it was, I'm a very, uh, fast paced person. I don't slow down much. And this was slowing me down. Mm-hmm. It was making me depressed actually. And so, my husband couldn't really meet the need that I, I needed at that time, which was just um, understanding. An outlet. And something. I don't even know what it was. So I found a group on Facebook that was for people that were battling endometriosis and nobody really understood what they were going through because it doesn't sound like anything that big. It's not life. Uh, it's not going to kill you. But it just sucks. So finding this uh, this group that you could one listen to their stories and say, oh my god, I'm not alone. Identify and two, with. Two, you can then plug into the dialogue and the conversations and say and share what's going on with you. Yeah. So you're you're giving to them; they're giving to you. Beautiful. It yeah. really is for those people who are hearing like Facebook and they're going, oh my god, no way! Yeah, I'm telling <laughs> you, it really can be a great outlet. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, that's what we do. So, uh, we ask, where can we subcontract? Then you go to the list and you say, what are the two musts? Yeah. So, we're moving away from needs to musts. In every relationship, you have to identify, what is my must from my partner? Yeah. What, do I, what must I These get? These are the
0: non-negotiables. Non-negotiables, yeah. right? Yeah.
2: If they don't take care of this for me, I'm not staying here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Because, ultimately... You don't want to be in a situation where you're married to somebody and your deepest, most important needs are unmet. Yeah. So remember, I mean, we said that 60% of those who stay married can find themselves during different times of marriage living like roommates who are raising children together. Right. Yes. It's a very lonely feeling. Like
0: switch off, like uh, shifts and, yeah.
2: But, you know... do you know how common this is?
1: Well, I think, too, a lot of people don't know how to identify it. They don't even know what those non-negotiables are. You have to sit down and really think about that. Well, wait a minute. What are my non-negotiables to even be able to communicate that to your partner?
2: Because it requires a high sense of self-awareness. And it's and go. it's
0: super common. And like then they're like, at one point, they look at each other like six months, two years, five years down the road, and they're like... You know, maybe they see a happy couple out, like making out at dinner or something. They're like, oh, what happened to us? <laughs> we used to do that. We don't do that anymore.
2: Oh, Al Bundy from Married to Children. Yes. Said, we got married. Yeah. <laughs> now, a, a, so the
0: secret is to never get married. Is well, that what you're there's, saying? There's
2: a <laughs> wonderful quote in my book coming out pretty soon, Married to Success, by Guy Golan, coming up soon. Uh, <laughs> shameless plug. It, got uh, it. MarriedToBiz.com. that, um, I don't remember who said it, but marriage, uh, Sorry, love Jeez. Love is a form of insanity that can only be cured by marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, here's the answer.
0: Which is another form of insanity.
2: The the answer is, uh, marriage is not about love. Love works. Marriage is about friendship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's about raising children together. Yeah. And being there for each other and helping each other grow. Right, so it's about mutual support of one another. Yes, you know it's not that romantic passion. You know that kind of part. It's not the romantic love.
1: And would you not say like companionship, or do you love that with friendship? Friendship, companionship, absolutely. It's
2: who you're going to be on the cruise line with after the kids, you know, leave home. Because don't forget, there's a certain point, and you know this because you have older kids. A certain point that the kids don't really need you besides being an Uber driver.
1: Sure. Right. Taxi. Yeah.
2: So I mean, that's a process, and. You know, and then we we talk. I work with my clients on how to communicate. Yeah, a lot of people feel guilty about having needs, mm. especially when we deal with high performers. So high performers, very driven, yeah, very strong, oftentimes, yes, and many of them have somewhere slight, slight um, on the range of narcissism, not like fully Donald Trump, sure. or abusive, right, like, but slightly, right, and and it's just about, a, just a skosh. Well, it's about. Uh, narcissism is about the ability to be empathetic. Yeah. And people who have a low sense of self-worth are very much drawn to people who are slightly narcissists.
1: Oh, okay.
2: So uh, if you have a situation where your husband doesn't pay attention to you, you don't feel like you can communicate with him, yeah. or your wife,
0: yeah,
2: and they're cold and they're unavailable and yeah. all that, it's legitimate for you to say to them, hey, you're not doing your job.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Right? And so... This is where the coaching, having a coach is such a great thing. It's yeah. a safe place where you can talk to somebody else, clean out your thoughts, organize them, and come up with really useful strategies. So let's start with a difference between therapy and coaching.
0: Yes. Yes.
2: Because, I mean, a lot of people go to a therapist, but mm-hmm. not a lot of people have a coach. Right. And I'm not knocking therapy. There are a lot of different types of therapists out there and a lot of different paradigms within the therapy world, but... Ultimately, therapy, you sit around, you talk about your husband, your mother, your father, your mm-hmm. childhood, all that. Right, the past. The past. Coaching is concerned with the future. Yeah. Right, the right. Okay, where do I want to go? How do I get there? What are the right tools? What are the right strategies? And keeping you accountable. Mm-hmm. Your therapist does not necessarily keep you accountable. right Right. a coach will say hey you have homework you have to do every single week right did you take these actions this week or not yeah so it's like having a coach in the gym you gotta go to the gym ever
0: yes oh yeah yeah
2: so we all know how to use the machines and the dumbbells and all that but we don't do it right but if you had a coach yelling at you yes i don't yell at my clients obviously but if you had a coach (laughs) tell you what to do you do 100 push-ups yeah for sure if the the coach is not there you're probably gonna do 10 Right.
0: right Well, it's kind of like having a personal trainer. Like I have a trainer and it's funny because I'm even, I'm a trainer, but like the trainer, even the trainer needs a trainer, right? Yeah. Like I need, I need him to send me my workouts. Tell me what I'm going to do. Eliminate that choice for me, right. Or eliminate that responsibility for me to have to make my own plan and to stick to my own plan. Cause then I'll talk myself out of my own plan. Yeah. So he, I, you know. Tell, he tells me what to do, and then yeah.
1: I do it. What's the like, accountability? Okay. Yes. Um, so you call yourself a life coach. You're really a marriage coach. I mean, this is good stuff.
2: Well, thank you. I, I'm going to say I'm a life coach that helps people deal with marriages. Yeah. And because what I really focus on is the personal accountability, personal awareness, and personal, per, per, personal knowledge. Gotcha. Yeah. So I focus on the self. And I believe that ultimately my goal is not to fix their relationship or the marriage, but rather to the empower person. to empower the client.
0: Yes, yeah. okay, that makes sense. So that they feel better to the uh, about themselves, so that when they go back to their marriage or when they come to their marriage, they're feeling more whole about themselves, which. You can't have a marriage with two half people, right? You have to have a marriage with two whole people. A successful marriage. A successful marriage, right? right.
2: Exactly. This is why being really empowered and self-aware can help you in your business, can help you in your marriage, it can help you in your life, in anything you do. Yeah.
1: Yeah. God, I love it. Me too. So we really are kind of running out of time, and I want you to go back and uh, talk about the PDF so people can find that, talk about your book that's coming out, how people can find you. And then we'll switch to us and we'll sign off.
2: Sounds cool. Well, the answer to all of these is MarriedToBusy.com. Yeah. MarriedToBusy.com. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on all the social media channels, LinkedIn, obviously. And if you go to to MarriedToBusy.com, you'll see all the social buttons.
0: I can't wait to go find all of them. I have one last question, too, because you mentioned a couple of times you're married to a physician. So how what are her work hours like?
2: How often? Crazy. How much? She wakes up at six thirty. Yeah. She leaves home by seven oh five. Okay. She sees the kids sometimes yeah. five minutes, sometimes ten. Yeah. And she comes home at six thirty. She puts the kids to sleep. Plays with them for like ten minutes. Yeah. And then she continues to work between eight to eleven wow. every single day. And on the weekend she'll work four hour blocks. Goodness. Man. Goodness. That's
0: Goodness. amazing. That's Married a- too busy. Married too busy. I'm just. I'm glad that you said that though, because a lot of people don't understand what that's like. I don't. Yeah. That's crazy.
1: Well, and it's hard for you too. You know, because on the back end you're managing you're, the house and, yeah. the and schedules working. and you've got your job and that's a lot.
0: Yeah.
2: It's all good.
1: It's all good. <laughs> we I'm
2: um, I'm I'm responsible for my decision to marry a doctor. I yes. could have left at any point. Yes. I decided to stay. Yes. It's my responsibility. Right. I communicate my needs effectively. Yeah. We have uh, strategy sessions as a couple with each other Where we communicate needs. Yeah. And it's not always easy right? because no marriage is always easy. Right. But as long as you're fully aware and fully responsible for your own decisions, mm-hmm. your own outcomes, you're good. Yeah. I love
1: it. And anything that is successful in life, anything. Yes. You have to it's check in. The word easy is not going to be attached. Right. So nothing worth having that. is easy. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so find us, biggirlpantspod dot com. Um you can find all the social media links there. Yep. Um please uh subscribe to the podcast. I tell people <laughs> subscribe if you don't want to listen. Yeah. And we'd love to give Yeah, us, just go
0: subscribe. I mean it's the cool thing just, to do. It's the just cool do thing it. to do. Biggirlpants.gov or big girl pants. We're out
1: there. We're on iTunes. Google Play, Spotify, iHeart, all the places. All the
0: places. Stitcher. All the places. Yeah.
1: Love it. We're so glad you were here. That was yeah. actually Thank a lot of so fun. Thank you so much.
0: Wildly informative. You'll have to come back, and then we'll do like a real case study. We might actually let you talk more. Yeah.
2: I live 10 minutes away. Yeah. Perfect. Done and Even done. better. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Awesome.
1: Thanks so much, Guy. Thank you. Bye. Bye.